0: Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God, which we pause to ponder a moment this evening, is found in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to John, the 30th verse, the last of the seven uh, speeches of Jesus on the cross which we have been studying during Lent. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In Jesus' name, beloved of God. When the Lord first called Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the others to follow him, with great enthusiasm, they left all to follow him. But on this day, some three years later, they faced the loss of their friend, their teacher, and all their cherished hopes for the future. When we, were called by the gospel. Whether young or old, it was a wonderful day. His forgiveness and life brought joy. But as the days and weeks and months and years go by, we may also come to times of disappointment and dryness, times when our cherished hopes seem at an end and we seem to have little strength or desire to go on. For such crossroads of life, we need strength to stand, to lift up our heads, and walk lively in the way of the Master. Tonight, we find such strength in the hanging head of our dearest friend, and in his outstretched arms, both made meaningful to us by his victorious cry. And he bowed his head and gave up the Spirit. When Jesus was mocked, scourged, spit upon, crucified, he could not have appeared weaker. But when the time of his departure came, he laid down his life as he said he would in John 10. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Not many of us have such a choice in our life to lay down our life for our friend. For us, it's more like laying down a few minutes of our life here or a few hours of our life there, or a few dollars of our life's earnings somewhere else. We have known some who lost their lives in the defense of our country. We have known some who gave up their life trying to rescue a friend or a loved one. But for most of us, the call may come when we are not able to be much help to our friends. Jesus, however, not only laid down his life to rescue us, but he did it when we were not even his friends. As we read in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did it willingly, and he did it completely how important is it that he did it completely for one thing if Jesus accomplished 99.9 make that 99.99 percent of our salvation and we had only to come up with one one hundredth of one percent of it On whom would our salvation depend? Jesus already did his part. Our salvation would depend on us. But surely our lives can count for one hundredth of one percent of what is needed for heaven. Isaiah speaks along with all the other prophets and apostles says not one of our lives can get us the slightest fraction of the way to heaven. But we are all, that's 100%, we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. If Jesus left the slightest bit undone, so that it depends on us, we are lost. But he did not bow his head until all was accomplished. Nor did he bow his head in discouragement or in ingrati- or dismay, I should say, because none of his followers understood what he was doing. How often don't we get weary before a job is completed? How often don't we see someone's ingratitude and we want to throw up our hands and quit? How often haven't we been hurt by someone we're trying to work with, even a family member, and we have been tempted to hang our heads and consider them a lost cause? How often? have we been tempted to say, I just can't take it anymore. If Jesus had said that and bowed his head, we would have no reason to be here tonight or on the face of the earth for that matter. But our Savior did not bow his head until all was accomplished until the penalty had been paid for every last sin, for every time that we have yielded to the temptation either to wilt or to become judgmental and proud of our own strength. Had Jesus not persevered, we could never sing the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. A royal diadem adorns the mighty victor's brow. What a Savior we have. He persevered. So many things can sidetrack our love, but he loved us to the end. The highest place that heaven affords is his, is his by right, the King of kings and Lord of lords and heaven's eternal light. Now John tells us in our verse that this bowing of his head took place just after he had received some sour wine or vinegar. This reminds us of how some six hours earlier, when the nails were driven into his hands, Jesus had been offered a concoction of vinegar and myrrh to deaden the pain. Apparently this was a Jewish custom, not a Roman one, and was supplied for condemned men by some thoughtful and sympathetic women this offering he had refused he was going to suffer all that our sins deserved and he was not going to cut corners he would drink the cup of suffering with a clear mind now as he neared the end and he knew it he asked for a drink and for the same reason he would not dry up wither and droop away but make the sacrifice for us able to call out in a loud voice when the sour wine was brought to him it came from a vessel nearby that was filled with the stuff apparently no one else had wanted to drink much of it but it was good enough for a condemned man and a sponge was filled with it, put on a stick, pressed to his lips. Why all this rigmarole? Of course, it was because his hands were nailed to the cross, paralyzed. He accomplished our redemption, overcame sin, death, and hell, reconciled the world to God, worked our peace with our maker, and one for us finished forgiveness and eternal joy with paralyzed hands and feet. And even now, though we may often feel paralyzed in a sense, unable to do much of anything, because he suffered this for us, we may reach up with thankful hands to God. We may fold our hands in prayer, confident that he hears us for Jesus' sake. Because Jesus suffered this for us, we may put our hand on someone's shoulder and speak with authority those healing words. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Because he suffered this, we may work with our hands for the bread which perishes in order to use it for purposes eternal. Because he suffered this, your hands and mine may work in his kingdom. He went the distance for us, both in time and intensity of suffering. But best of all, he let us know that this was so by lifting up his voice and declaring it is finished seven times as we noted it's recorded that Jesus spoke from the cross three times to his God and Father three times to people around the cross and once to everyone to God to the people around to you, to me to the whole universe it is finished. Here is the word that opens our eyes to see and our hearts to understand the royalty of that bowing head ruling to the end and through the end. It is finished and that with hands pain-filled and paralyzed. When we see all this can we doubt the commitment Can we doubt his power, his love? He is the perfect sacrifice, perfectly offered, willingly, completely, knowingly, lovingly offered. Heaven is ours. Does it make any difference for us this evening or for the rest of our life? Many years ago, there was a poet who signed his work simply, The Cripple. I have no other name for him. In a startling view of heavenly joy, he wrote these words. Dear God, though every shining door of life be ever closed against my infirmity, I know one portal standeth wide when I have reached the margin of earth's strife. And this I pray, that if I languished here, tortured in flesh and mocked of mine own soul, that there, my spirit and my body whole, I shall find work, and finding hold it dear. Oh, give me as life's recompense to bring my newfound strength within thy vineyard fair. I have so longed for work. God, let me bear its stress and strain my offering to my king. Now, we might have many things to say to that poet were we to meet. We might say, work? Why, in heaven we shall rest from our labors, There will be no need to spread the gospel, for all will know him from the least to the greatest. Work, why, Revelation pictures only serving him night and day in his temple and singing with the angels, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. But that will hardly be work. Or we might remind the crippled poet that there is much to be done right now. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much as long as your heart beats and your brain thinks, you can pray for all people. You can pray for your fellow believers, for your congregation, for attendance on the word of grace. You can pray for all those who are so busy using their mind and body whole that they think they don't have time to pray. Yes, pray for us. Our Lord completed our salvation with crippled hands and feet. If your heart is praying, whatever limb or voice you may have that still functions will find the opportunity which the Lord puts in front of it. We might remind the poet of all this, but how shall we respond to that spirit that longs for work to offer to his king. Our savior finished our forgiveness and salvation with his own body and blood and looked forward to the resurrection. Would it not be wonderful? Wonderful. If we also looking forward to the resurrection might even now have some way to show our love to him who loved us and gave himself for us. If we might even now have some work to do, some stress to bear, some strain to endure our offering to our King. What language shall I borrow to thank you, dearest friend, for this your dying sorrow, your pity without end. Oh, make me yours forever. Give me your work to do. Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for you. Amen.